on this week's episode of Living Free with RP, we've got Chad Dillon, fellow Achilles member who walked in one day for LASIK, but walked out with RP. And you'll learn more about that in this episode. So here is Chad Dillon's journey. First of all, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. No problem. Glad to be here. So, introduce yourself to the listeners. You know, where you're from and just give us a little bit about your family. Okay. My name is Chad Dillon. I currently live in St. Louis, Missouri, although I'm from a small town in Kansas, DeSoto. Uh, My uh, mom and dad still live in the area. little bigger town, Lawrence, Kansas. And, uh, I have one sister. She's three years younger. She lives in the area as well. So I'm the one who moved away and, and they're all still within 10 miles of where I grew up. Nice. And, uh, when did you get diagnosed? I got diagnosed at 23 years old. So, uh, 20 years ago, um, not quite to the month, but, uh, I think it was in the summertime. So I guess that would be 2000. That oh, was horrible, man. I, I went in, uh, I was, I went in for a uh, LASIK eye surgery at a place in Kansas city. I, I remember I'd drive about an hour inside into town and, uh, just went for the pre-op appointment and they go and check you out, make sure you're good to go. So then you can come back another day and, uh, have, uh, have surgery. So I grew growing up, I was severely nearsighted. I had the big Coke bottle glasses until I got contacts and in high school. So I was really looking forward to, uh, having LASIK and not having to be encumbered by glasses or contacts all the time. And I left that appointment knowing I was going to go blind or at least believing that I was going to go blind. And, and it was, it was pretty rough. I was by myself. I didn't take anybody with me. And, and, uh, the doctor, he, his bedside manner was pretty rough. I think he said something to the effect of, like he said something like, if I had your vision, I'd, I'd want to crawl in a hole and die or something. And I'm not sure that's exactly what he said, but regardless of what he said, that's what I heard. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty tough. I, I made it all the way home before I, I broke down in tears, though. So that was good because, you know, driving, stuff like that. But No, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I've always, from what I've always learned, even in my own experience, is that yeah, doc, most of the doctors that handle that, they don't have a good side, they don't have that good bedside manner. Well, and I get it. I mean, his, he does LASIK, right? It's not like he was ever trained to tell someone they have retinitis pigmentosa. I, I'm, I'm actually impressed he knew what it was because, uh, I, you know, I having the vision I've had, I, you know, saw an eye doctor almost every six months my entire life, and there had never been any inclination other than being severely nearsighted. There was never any, you know, you know, when I was a child, there was a thing about my eyes tracking left and right, and has a a name. I don't remember what it is, but there was never a, this could happen kind of thing. So, I mean, it was, it was truly a shock. Oh, I gotcha. No. Yeah. Um, but even, uh, I, I think doctors nowadays, they're way more educated, like even just a regular, regular eye doctors, even my regular eye doctor, he actually is very familiar with, you know, RP, even though that, you know, they don't handle it, but all the people there, they all actually, at least now could, you know, spot it or when they take pictures, they know what it looks like. When they take a picture of your eyes there or whatever, right? So, but back in yeah, like you know, twenty you know, twenty five years ago, a regular eye doctor like couldn't really 
you know, wouldn't really know what's up. They would just be like, hey, go to a specialist. And, <laughs> you know, like, we think something's up. We can't, we don't know what, you know. And, and it's, you know, and thank, thankfully for the internet. And, and that's what the guy told me to do too. He's like, well, you need, you know, and my family, obviously we're all like, well, let's go get a second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth opinion. Uh, you know, and, and I remember we went and met with two, two folks. One guy was like, you need to stop driving now. I mean, I was in college. You need to just, you're, you're never going to work. I mean, this guy was just this... not, I mean, and this is like the second one, right? And then, <laughs> And then this I, is not what do you want to hear? Right. And then I go meet with a, a Dr. Burson, actually, at the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Institute. I got myself into a, a study. Uh, they were doing a, a vitamin study. And he's like, no, that's all BS. He's like, you need to live your life, man. You keep driving. You keep working. He's like, you do you. He's like, you got at least 10 years of useful vision. And and I, I think, you know, I made it 17 years, I think. And, and uh, before I was legally blind and gave up driving and stuff. So. I mean, that guy was awesome. I mean, he was the first guy that was, and he's recently passed away, but man, he, he just made me feel like, you know what, forget these other guys. I'm going to go be me and, and I'm not going to think about this right now. So What's that? it's the thing we see mostly with people who are the only ones that have it in their family is, you know, yeah, for you, you don't know what this is and yeah, you're, you're, you're going to listen to whoever tells you anything, you know? Right. You know, yeah. Because you're gonna be like, oh well, they must they know more than I know, so they they must be right, and that's gonna make you think that oh my god, like I can't do all these things and all this stuff. Where, but then you have other people who, you know, they have family members who have it. They've seen them go through, and they've been fine, and they're like, okay, you know, this is what I got, and I know I have some years, you know, before, you know, I have any really big issues. So it's, it, I can't imagine being in that, in that you know, situation where it's really just completely punching the face. Oh yeah. Well, no know. family history, yeah. no, no knowledge of, you know, I think my mom jumped into the genealogy and went six generations on both sides and maybe someone had glaucoma in the late 1800s, you know, but I mean, just nothing. So, and we, t- I, I took a blood test a little over a year ago. We still don't know. If it's, uh, you know, ex- if how I have it, I, we don't think it's recessive. Like, you know, the chances of my parents both having the recessive gene, you know, winning the lottery like 10 times over. But right. Um, As I look at it this way, I mean, like my my aunt has had her back fused. My mom mm-hmm. has had her back fused. I have two, you know, I have two discs in my back that are, have, I have that since I was a teenager. I have the same thing, degenerative disc disease. So knowing that. I've already been, I'm cool. Like I know, I know what my future is. I know, you know how to prep for it. You know, what yeah, to, I have a rough idea. As long, yeah. yeah. I can keep, keep myself in good shape and do this. And that's going to prolong my, you know, my back. And I can, I can, now I got, there's a game plan. Like, and, and, and then I'm not like blindsided, like, oh my God, I have to get, you know, my back fused. Like, yeah. So I think anytime we have some type of medical history to go on, it, it just, it softens that blow. You're like, I, I've prepared for this. It's kind of like knowing a, you know, you know, some, having a parent or somebody, you know, that's going to, you know, unfortunately, maybe, you know, they're going to be passing away. It's still sad, but at least you kind of, you're preparing for that. But whereas getting that diagnosis, you know, remember you the, know, the girl exploded. I was dating and living with at the time, she goes, well, we always knew something was, was different or wrong with your eyes. I'm like, really? Cause no one else <laughs> in my life knew that or my family nobody it was like yeah you're you're probably gonna go blind interesting how you knew that but the rest of us had no idea well so here we are like you know like you said like what 20 years later so how are you feeling about it now what's your perspective on it 20 years from now man i'm great um i i uh, i've come a long way uh i kind of like what most folks had had the parabola of uh, struggling with it and trying to hide it and, and anxiety and stress and depression. And, and uh, now I, I feel like even in 2020, I'm just, I'm living life. I, I don't, I don't fear the cane. I don't fear what other people think. I don't care, honestly, in most cases, what other people think. And uh, I just, I, I do the best I can to be, to be thankful for, for everything I do have. And, and uh, um, kind of, for me, uh, you know, I, so after I found out at 23, I, uh, I, you know, 23, you're like, whatever, I'm still going to rule the world, get out of my way. So <laughs> when I, right. 
went out, went out and got a job that required me to drive like an idiot. Um, <laughs> and, well, not entirely, but kind of like a, basically like a sales rep. I, I, uh, I was in nonprofit, but I was had a kind of territory that I managed and, and I was really good at it. I got promoted pretty quickly. And, uh, but I had to kind of decide early on, you know, I need to stop driving at night. Like, you know, even probably by 26, 27 years old, I'm like, man, I got, I got to stop doing this. This, this isn't smart. Uh, and, uh, made that decision and, and the place I worked was, was fine with it. We made arrangements. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I w- coworkers to get rides with them or even some of the volunteers I worked with would, would, uh, drop me off at home. It's funny. I used to leave my car all over the different, the territory I had and, and, and not worry about it, I guess, because, you know, just go get it the next day or next time I'm down in that area is kind of funny. Uh, but I started really at that point learning public transportation as much as I didn't want to take the bus or the train or whatever. I just started to figure that stuff out. So when I had to do it, you know, the whole time I'm prepping myself, I'm planning, okay, how am I going to get to the point where I give up driving? You know, and I met a girl, we got married, I got promoted. I moved, I got promoted again, you know, and then all of a sudden I find myself in, in this small town in Illinois where there's virtually no public transportation and no, um, and no, uh, no way to get around without driving. And my anxiety level is just through the roof. I'm stressed out. I'm like, you know, if I can just get the next promotion, then I'll be at a, a point where I don't have to drive anymore. And that'll be fine because I'll be the boss and, and, you know, I don't have to worry about driving as much. And, and it, it was tough. I think it, 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 it was really tough. I ended up losing the job because of the vision. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And, um, kind of had to re reevaluate my life and my time with my kids and my time with my wife at, at the time we're no longer married, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was tough. And once I finally accepted the the RP and accepted that you like, look, you gotta, you gotta prep, you gotta get ready and you have to keep living your life. You're not even 40 years old yet. You can't just crawl in a hole and die. Like that doctor said, you gotta, you gotta find a way to work and you gotta find a way to be successful and still kind of achieve my goals. So, uh, moved to St. Louis, Missouri, which is, I'd lived, I'd lived here previously. I moved back, I guess, to St. Louis, Missouri, put myself in a situation where I could get around. I could, I could work without having to drive and, and really kind of set myself up for that moment when, that I knew was coming, the, the legally blind moment, the moment when, you know, the scale tips and, and you have to turn in your keys and, and you have to learn how to use a cane and you have to, you know, really um, kind of just use different senses, honestly, to, to go through your day. And, and I did that. And once I accepted all that, man, the stress went away, the anxiety went away. And I, I'm just a healthier happier person and it's it's kind of crazy how that works oh definitely once you uh cross that bridge so to speak yeah so when you mentioned being uh i know you're not married anymore but when you would enter a relationship was that like one of the first things you would tell somebody oh she she knew uh when we you know our first date i think i I think I slept on her parents' couch because I couldn't drive home. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so she knew she knew from from up front, but at that point it was still early on. Uh, you know, it was more of a, a far off down the road thing. It, you know, like okay, so you can't drive at night. You know, whatever. That's not no, the end of the did. world. But right, right. but I don't think either one of us could truly conceptualize what it would mean in the future. So yeah, I mean, uh, my ex-wife. We were married for ten years. She knew, and and I mean, she was along for for most of the ride. We've been divorced, you know, four years now, and I think a lot of that, uh, a lot of our struggles probably stem from a my stress and anxiety from trying to hide my RP from the world. And be mm-hmm. just the the idea of what life, you know, of, of being a third. We have two children together, so a third child where she's got to drive everywhere and take care of me, like I'm some sort of invalid or something. And I think that was just scary for for her and and for us. So I, I do think that caused a lot of stress there at the end, and because I hadn't yet given up on the things, I was still living in this this nobody knows, and I'm going to be okay. And it's going to go away. Um, mode without that the the acceptance of of the freeness that came with you know being who i actually am and and owning 
my visual, you know, impairment. Right. So, so whereabouts are you right now with your vision? You know, I, I, I tell people I have enough vision to be dangerous. Uh, it's just a, <laughs> it's a, uh, sometimes I, or I call it, you know, the uncanny divide when you talk about, you know, AI or the, 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 uh, the cartoons on TV, I'm kind of in that place where, man, I can see great right up to the point where I can't, uh, you know, I have a, my, my, uh, I've got one, what I say, one good eye, which means that my right eye, I can, uh, with my glasses on and, and with the, with the magnifier, I can still read my phone. Uh, but, um, you know, one eye is just all pretty much all blurry or, or I tell people it's like looking through stained glass, but I need, you know, I, it's, uh, my degrees of vision are less than five. I don't know exactly what they are. They're less than five. And, and, uh, you know, colors are starting to bleed a lot. It's, it's harder to, to tell colors and, and night vision, my night vision has always been worthless. So, you know, that's really, uh, <laughs> yeah. when I use the cane is, is I, in crowds or at night or dusk or things like that. Anytime, anytime I, I want someone to, you know, look at me and, and not think that I'm drunk. I like to get out the game. <laughs> uh, I used to go to the bars and wonder why can't I really see, right? I remember even in college going to bars and I'd lose my friends and, and I couldn't find them for an hour sometimes because <laughs> everything's just shadows. And I'm like, is, is everyone else see like this? Is this how this works? And, and not really understanding that, that mine was vastly different than like, my buddies. Like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. but you know, learning to really learning to pick up voices. I got great at listening. I got great at picking up voices. Cause that's how you'd find your friends. Like, Oh, I know that voice and work that way. It's oh, it's funny. even harder when it's like somebody you don't know though. Like when someone oh, approaches you and they're like, Hey, and you're like, uh, who is this? Like, or, you know, like, or somebody you don't see all the time, or maybe it's somebody you only met a, a couple of times and it's embarrassing. Cause you're like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and I, they don't introduce themselves. They just come up and they're like, Hey, you're like, hi, who is this? Yeah. At this point, I'm the king of lunch dates or coffee dates. I like when it's daylight out and there's not a lot of people around. I, I don't think I would ever try and meet someone at an, at a, you know, at a restaurant at night or at a bar or anything like that. I just, I, I mean, not that I'm embarrassed. I just, maybe I am. I, you want you always want to have a good impression, right? So you don't want to, you don't want to be fumbling around or whatever. And I've never, you know, in, in, in dating, I guess in the last four years, I've never not told someone before we, we meet, I feel like that would be, yeah. Hey, I'm that guy that lied to you on the, on the internet, and now Guess I have what, a white I'm gonna cane. Be going, yeah, I'm going to be going blind. Yeah. I'm just uh, there's a possibility. Yeah. I just want you to know that right. straight up front. See, yeah, I was dangerous I, when I was driving towards yeah. the end. So, oh yeah, like, man, like the, I like the challenge. I'd be like, I'm going to see if I can. Oh, a snowstorm. I'm going to see if I can get from where at my friend's house and get back home. And, and I, I liked it. I, I took it as a challenge. Like I'll take my time and I'm going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, and, I, and I'm luckily always made it home, but you know, if, yeah, I think if yeah, you're someone yeah. like, you know, like that, where you're like, you take it as I'm going to, I could do this still. And you want to, <laughs> and you ignore what you really see or don't see. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I got into an accident about six years ago. Actually, my kids are in the cars. It was pretty, pretty rough. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was dusk. So it was probably a little later. I, I hadn't really, you know, I was doing fine. I'd been doing fine for years, but it was one of those days where it had been, it'd been uh, it, maybe a snow or ice the day, previous days. And that day was like 70 degrees. So you got it. You had a lot of ice melt on the, on the road. And then all of a sudden it kind of refroze. And I was on the, I was on the exit ramp and driving a truck and no weight in the back end of the truck and spun it out and slammed into a, um, slammed into a, uh, a concrete barrier. And, uh, my, you know, we were all injured a little bit, but, but fortunately, uh, nothing lasting or serious, but it was kind of that first, like, okay, all right, dude, now you got to really figure this thing out. And then it wasn't until a couple of years later where I was, I picked up my kids, uh, from my ex and I was driving back uh, to town and, and there was a car, there was a car accident or something high, everybody was stopped on the highway. And it, and it got dark, like we're on the highway forever. And I remember I, I was like, I can't do this. I pulled over at like a Dairy Queen in the middle of Illinois somewhere and called uh, my uh, my niece at the time. I was like, hey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I need you. I, I am, you know, half an hour, hour out of town with the girls. And 
I'm stuck here. I can't go anywhere. Can you come get me? And she came and got us. And at that point I was like, all right, I, I'm done. I got to be done. This is, this is ridiculous. And so I, you know, I guess my proudest moment was, uh, you know, I got to be the one to say, okay, I'm done driving. And I think I'd had a plan for years. I was going to have some last epic drive to the Grand Canyon or something. That'd and my last, yeah, my last drive was to Great Clips to get a haircut. And, and it's just, <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be like that. It just kind of how it ended up. Like in that. 2017, I drove a half a mile down one road to get a haircut and came back. And, and I, I haven't driven a car since really. I, I had the same so, kind of idea toward the Meritorian because I knew it was, I knew when I was my last day, it was going to be my birthday, you know, at 35. And I'm like, I should I should go yeah I should go with my friend who I haven't seen and he lives over in this in New Hampshire or whatever I should be like I should drive up to him and just and and, and you know make it make it a thing make this you know kind of yeah this last hurrah but uh, luckily uh, you know I I realized I never realized that growing up my mom was actually the one I was in the car the last time my mom actually drove it was past like she didn't have a valid license but I only recall like driving back like my dad needed to get his car from like the um, garage and she needed to drive the other car back home. Mm-hmm. And right. I remember that moment. I remember going up there and I just remember being in the car with my mom. And that's the only time I really remember being in a car with my mom driving. And I remember saying that to her. She's like, Oh yeah. She's like, that's the last time I drove. And I was like, she's like, I don't, she's like, actually she's like, my license had been expired probably for years. She's like, I just, I still was able to kind of do it. And it was a short, it was a short, you know, little trip to get back home. And I was like, Oh cool. So I always said that my last day, I would take my parent, my you know, take my mom out, and that's what I did. I I borrowed like this nice. old Mustang, and I took her out for uh, yeah, because she like you know loved the Mustangs, so I managed to do yep. that. So that, at least I kind of like I got to do something cool. It wasn't my last day driving? Yeah, literally my last day of driving was probably I forgot what I did, and it was the like it was a Monday or something. I mean, no, that was the day actually. I think yeah, and I just drove my regular home. Yeah, after I dropped them off, and I just drove my car back home, like from yeah. You know, <laughs> so I was like that was my you know last hurrah at least. Well, I've done really the whole big thing though. Yeah. And I've done some fun things since, uh, we were help. We're go, I go camping every year with some buddies and we were helping a guy uh, get his Jeep running. And, uh, somehow I was the one who ended up in the, in the seat. We're popping the clutch. So we're all pushing it. They're all pushing it. I'm not. And pop the clutch and get it running. And, and I decided to take off and the guy who owns the Jeep is kind of freaking out. And my other buddy's like, he's fine. He's not going to hit anything. We're in a field, you know? So I did a couple donuts and came back with a big old grin on my face. Actually, I think I have a picture of that on my Facebook. And then uh, not this summer, but last summer, take the kids. Branson, Missouri is a big thing around here, if you haven't heard. Um, but they have a lot of go-kart tracks. And uh, we took the kids, the three of them are 12, and and uh, and uh, with a friend of mine. And, and uh, they weren't quite tall enough to ride the, the, the carts they wanted to ride. So they still needed, like, the adult supervision. And I was, I was kind of hesitant, but I was like, all right, well, yeah, that's fine. I'll do it. And, and fortunately they didn't ask me for my actual driver's license cause they would have just seen yeah. an ID. But then we, we drove go-karts all day and I had a blast. I'm passing people. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, indie car driver for a day and just, just, it was, it was fun. Like it was kind of fun and the kids all had fun. And, and I think, you know, everybody's like, how's that going to go? And, and there were moments where I'm like, okay, I don't want to be in front cause I don't want to be the one leading this. Train. Yeah. I want to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't want the blind guy leading. <laughs> like, I, like, I can follow like a champ. Let's yeah. like, you guys ahead of me. Well, and I think that's what I did. I, I let someone lead the first lap. And then once I knew the track, I was like, all right, get out of my way. I'm in charge. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Mindset, I mean, like, I mean, I could still do that now. I mean, the mindset yeah. of that is that you think about when you put a helmet on race car drivers only have central vision almost as it is. Right, because your helmet's cut off a lot of that, a lot of that. So realistically, yeah, once and you know RP, obviously we once we know like what we're, what the course is, yeah, like I said, I got out of the way. All we need to know is, oh, this is a right turn here, a left turn here, a right turn here. Okay, that's it. Okay, that's a that's that's yeah, it. The, yeah. The, the biggest fear is when the guy comes out to say, okay, you're done, you got to go back in and park. Like like I'm like I don't want to miss that yeah. guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the detail stuff. Once you get my course, all good. But like, then it's like when it's like finding your way to the pit and all that. Yeah, trying to figure out where you're gonna go. It's like okay, this is a little more difficult because I haven't done this. But uh, once, yeah, no, the yeah. people. I, I have had that experience too, where I, I think back in 2013, I was still driving, but I, I, I went, yeah, I, I did go karts, and it was the same thing. Like I don't know how this is gonna go because I know I'm kind of on the last years of driving here, and this is a little different environment. But yeah, I still had a blast. So, That's awesome. I would like to go back at some point, you know. So that would be fun. But no, yeah. 
because as you said, that realistic. It, once you realize that, wait a minute, race car drivers, you know, don't have peripheral vision. So when people get the helmet on, I still have central vision, so I should technically be able to navigate this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I guess my dream of being a in NASCAR is still still yeah it's still there. You know, <laughs> you, you, I think the only thing you really have to worry about is when someone passes you on the left and you don't see them and you try to cut across. So you have to make sure you really your blind spots are gonna you know. But then again, what are you gonna do? Accidentally hit them? It's okay, you know. It's it's allowed in racing. Well, yeah, uh, and if know. I could have a spotter all the time, I could probably still drive. I had some guy up above. Yeah, see, that's all you need. You need someone in the passenger seat of the, of the race car and just being like, all right, you got a guy coming up on your left. Or, you know what? You don't even need that. They can have a guy. You have microphones on. They'll tell you exactly, like, who's around you, who's behind you. The technology today, yeah. Like, all you got to do is go around in a circle, big oval, you know? I think <laughs> I think you and I have stumbled on a new blind sport. I think we're ready. Yep. That's it. We just need to have spotters. Everyone, you get, and you know what? The cars could be like extra reinforced, like a giant bumper car. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, we just go around it like a hundred and some miles an hour. And yeah, you know, I think we got all the this. safety gear, I think we're okay. For sure. <laughs> That's... If anything, it'd be really entertaining. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I think people, people would definitely pay to see that. Like everything will be good until we have to go pit and we're like, you just drove by our pit. <laughs> oh sorry hold on i'll back up you come to me yeah i'm gonna park right where i feel comfortable you guys just come right out I park right in the middle of the road <laughs> so what are you into like what are your hobbies and how and as you've been losing your vision how have you had to kind of do things differently to maintain those kind of hobbies well i you know i um uh, i got into uh beat ball really uh really heavily about three years ago when I, when I you know, had myself declared legally blind. And actually I've got a crazy story about that. When I was uh, 16, I was real big in a scout. So I was been an outdoorsman, uh, was involved in the boy scouts and, and uh, summer camp staff and all that. But my, uh, my Eagle scout project that I was working on, it was a, I was redoing a trail uh, in the County where I grew up and, Turns out that at this point, the trail was going to seven or eight different municipalities, and I couldn't possibly get all of these governments to agree to let me uh, remark this trail. So I kind of abandoned that project, and I was offered the opportunity to build beep ball bases uh, with AT&T or Southwestern Bell at the time in uh, Kansas City. And we ended up making 24 sets of beep ball uh, bases that we shipped to maybe six different continents. And uh, I didn't know anything about beep ball at the time. I didn't know anything about really blindness. And at 16, I had no idea that, uh, it was going to affect me in the way that it did, but got my buddies together, uh, did the project, became an Eagle scout, you know, and, and, uh, was pretty proud of that. Um, and, uh, but then kind of moved on and forgot about it. Uh, I was played ball growing up. I played, uh, you know, I played baseball as a kid, like most kids. And then probably about middle school when the, when the pitchers got really good and I just couldn't track the ball. And I, my night vision, not really knowing that it was worse than anyone else's, they'd always put me in the outfield and I was horrible. I could never find the ball or catch it. I could pick it up and throw it. <laughs> but, so uh, got to got to college and played a lot of softball, intramural and post-college, played a lot of softball, uh, started organizing teams, moved to St. Louis, uh, organized some, some teams with my coworkers and had a lot of fun and Kind of, you know, I, you get married to have kids, you give some of that up. But uh, when it became legally blind, just kind of reintroduced or rediscovered beatball through uh, through my uh, my vocational rehab counselor, and uh, man, jumped jumped a hundred percent in. Uh, this past year, we started a, a new team here in St. Louis. All blind and visually impaired players joined the National Beatball Association. Uh, we're going to go to the World Series, obviously, COVID. So. Uh, None of that stuff happened, but uh, we'll be going next year, and uh, we're having a lot of fun, man. I uh, so I, I'm I'm real big into that. I love it, um, and uh, it's been great uh, through that through my teammates. I, I joined Achilles International and have started running uh, more heavily, um, and that's been great. And I even uh, another teammate got me into blind bowling, which is which is a trip, uh, and so I kind of do those things. I I still, you know, those are my kind of focus right now, other than my kids, when I have my kids, everything we do is, is focused on them. But, um, you know, those are kind of the things I've been doing, doing for fun. I still camp once or twice a year. I was actually on the phone last night with a buddy 
planning a, a 10 mile hike, a backpacking trip in March, uh, and, and how we're going to, you know, make that happen and where we're going to go. And, and, uh, man, I just, uh, I'm living life, I guess. I, I if I, something sounds fun, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> well, nice to talk so. to another fellow, uh, Achilles member. I'm okay. a, ah. I, I am also, I'm the Connecticut, I'm the Connecticut chapter. Oh, nice. Nice. So. How's uh, the cup going for you guys? That's going. I mean, I, I, I honestly have, I don't think I like, I, I'm still supposed to read the email, like of the instructions and all that stuff. I know, I know it's basically just like the, like the workout competition just changed more and made it into, we, we had a, like a, like a small workout competition in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I guess the cup is more like, I guess that's the way they explained it to me that the, the Achilles cup was just like, now it's like more of a expanded version of that, you know, logging your, you know, workouts and all that stuff. But you know, now it's like, we're facing everybody, all the other chapters and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I'm, I'm awful at like sometimes reading emails or sometimes like, oh. I'm good at getting people back to people, but sometimes like I don't really like to read the entire details. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, are you, you going to do the Achilles Cup? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I work out like every day. And I'm like, I don't right. feel like logging my stuff all the time sometimes. Like, but that's the only thing I don't like having to log in all the uh, stuff on the Google uh, sheet and all that stuff. I did it. I, I say, I, I went through the whole first week. I, I worked out almost every day and, uh, you know, combination of running and, and, and working out off season, uh, prep for, for beatball. And, but I waited till like last Friday to log it all. And then I've kind of already done the same thing again. That's what like, I got to do. You know, like, like, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. And it's funny. I've joined, I'm not, I don't know most of the members. I've never actually even met our president, but, uh, other than <laughs> messaging and stuff because it's COVID and, and, and right. everything's shut down. But, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's 12 and, and she kind of got into, it's called girls on the run a couple of years ago. And it's, it's amazing because it's young ladies and it's empowerment and it's running and the, 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 the pen, penultimate at the end of it is a 5k. So, okay, sweet. Something that we can do together. And so just kind of, that's kind of what got me motivated to get running and get, get doing that again. And then kind of Achilles has become the next level of that. And, and she's even shown interest in that. And, and that that's been a lot of fun. So no, awesome. I'm not quite at I'm not quite at the point where I need a, a guide and and I don't even understand how you strap yourself to another person and run with them. But, but I can't I, do that know, yet. No, I won't do it yet. Tether, yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm interested in all of it, and I just I like the camaraderie. I kind of like uh, the the uh, kind of holding someone else ho- helping you uh, hold accountable and and. Uh, that's been great. That's that's well, a lot the teammates. So it's great. I think it's great being part of a team. You know. Oh yeah, and and knowing yeah. my buddies are doing it. Like, like uh, guy on the beatball team on the first day he ran a marathon. I think I think you did that recently too. Kind of the New York City uh, virtual. He yeah, did, I just that did that. Yeah, with, Sunday, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. he, he did that with a couple buddies, and yeah, awesome. the the rest of us are running two and three and four miles. Yeah, that's that's what you got to do, in New York. That's you got to do do a marathon. Because then you can oh, meet, it'd be like, amazing. Because then you go, you get to be a part of the Achilles tent, where it's like every you know branch, like Achilles Brazil is there, Achilles, you know, all the United States ones are there, you know. Like so, you get you get you actually get to meet all these people that maybe you've heard of or seen, you know, on, on Facebook right. or whatever. And now you can, they're, they're all there. It's really that's a wild experience. It's yeah, definitely a bucket really well, list but. thing. It's definitely a bucket list thing. I just, man, I'm like, do I, and I I actually saw your post about, yeah, you don't have to follow the, the training regimen. Do what yeah, makes sense to you. Cause that's, you sign up. You just got to sign up. I, I think for me, it's just kind of scary. Like running that's a 5k. Is, yeah. I could do that right now. Like literally in jeans and a t-shirt. I, in my opinion, 5k is completely mental, you know, and, and 6k, I know I'm in enough or 10k, I'm, excuse me, six miles, 6.2. Um, I could I could do that I know but man the the half and the and the full just the, I think but there's, there's different pacing that's the thing I realized just, the five k and the ten k is like the sprinting of long distance running right so it's completely different than a half marathon or even a full oh. like full it's like so leisurely you know it's more you know it's just if anything your body's just you're battling your your body by the time you get like you know seventeen eighteen nineteen miles oh. you know because your body's not used to doing that but realistically if you just i always say i mean pretty much by anything if you just sign up it just becomes reality and now you have to do it instead of being like well you know i'll wait i'll wait until i get in shape or i'll wait until i get this far it's like because then you might never do it but once you like i found once you do it you're like it's cool to actually be working out towards a goal 
So like once once I have a race coming up, it's like it's cool to be like, okay, I'm training for a race. I'm not just training just to keep in shape. Like I there's a goal here, you know. There's something I'm working towards. So I think once you do, I think anybody who can do like 10Ks, once you get to like, I mean, if you want, I mean, yes, you can work your way up to just do a half. And if you mm-hmm. if you could do a half, I think anybody can do a full. I mean, it's, it, like I said, it's all mental. It, it, I mean, raw running is mental, really. Right. I mean, anything, regardless of distance. So, but I mean, if you can rock a 5K and you can actually say do a 5K respectively, Mm-hmm. you know then yeah like slowing it that down that taking that pace and then drastically slowing it down so that you can do a marathon is really possible like if you do like i say a 25 minute 5k or lower like yeah you're you're okay because <laughs> yeah. you yeah. can turn around and be like make do like a 12 minute pace or something and and go rock out like a, like a 5 30 marathon or something so i mean make, wow yeah it makes or six hours Take six I want, hours. I think I'd want to do sub six hours. I got a buddy. He, he was like, I want to run less than four hours. I'm like, good luck with that. Yeah. And, it was, and it was 42. To, it was like 42. Yeah, it was 42 yeah, degrees and misting. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to shoot for sub six. How's that sound? And I and I think as I look at 2021, totally. I kind of probably want to do like a 5K in the spring with the kid and with mm-hmm. my daughter. And then, okay. you know, we'll be prepping for a lot of the, the beatball stuff. So we'll be doing a lot of beatball. I have. Uh, I've told a friend of mine, he, he does this crazy thing in June. He, uh, he kayaks the Missouri rivers, 340 miles from Kansas city to St. Louis. And, and I said, Hey, I, I think I want to do that with you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully I get to do that. I think signups in January. I want to do that with him. Uh, the beatball world series is in, is in, um, uh, Kansas, my home state, uh, next summer. So definitely that's priority. And then I was thinking, I know that the Chicago Marathon's in October and the New York Marathon will be, uh, you know, late, a little bit, like three weeks, four weeks later. And uh, I'm thinking I want to try and do one of those next year. I think that's kind of the, the 2021 plan, you know. You should, do, the, you should do how I did it. Do I, I got in through, I mean, you'll get in through Achilles, so you're mm-hmm. already, you automatically get in through that way. I did it through, uh, my first one was through Foundation Finding Blindness, which okay. is how I discovered Achilles was doing 2014 New York City well, with a foundation fine and blindness and see the best way I looked at it was, okay, well, I want to do a, I, anybody, anybody can run a 15 minute mile. That's, you know, that's slow, right? For sure. That's a six thirty, So that's a wow. six hour, 30 minute marathon. If, yeah. if you'd ran a really painfully slow 15 minute marathon and I ran it, I did end up doing, I paced the 545 group and I did like a 607. So I beat what I wanted to do. And, and I'm just, you just work down from there. But yeah, I mean, a sub six is realistically not that bad. It's like a 13 and change or 14, something like that. So, yeah. See, I, know, I, I, and I'm really thinking, slow. And just I'm do, already do, thinking do, 10 do. minute miles. I'm thinking, you know, realistically, if I train, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to do nine and 10 minute miles, but that might, I might be over thinking that or overshooting. 10 minute my, miles would be what I just did. What I did at Hartford, I did the Hartford virtual. That was like a, I did a 433. Okay. And that was the fastest marathon I've ever run. Well, so, and that, so that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm probably shooting a little too high, but that's I don't like, know. yeah. You you want to be thinking like twelves. Like yeah, that's more like a entry level like okay. trying to start out. Just get your way in. You want to be like twelve, twelve and a half. All right. Well, then we're just gonna make it twelve now. right now. So it's, yeah, it's, this is public. You're posting this you can, on yeah. the internet. So <laughs> I'm holding publicly. it. To, if you do a twelve, that's like somewhere in the five something. I think it's like five. I think that's a. I think that's got to be a five thirty somewhere on there because I've run. I usually used to run like five thirties and low fives. Okay. So I think yeah, if you could stick somewhere on there, yeah, you're that's a I think that's good. And then visually impaired, if you want to qualify for Boston, that's five hours. Oh wow. Okay. For us, for visual, for us visually impaired people, if you can do a five or under, that qualifies you for Boston. And when is the Boston marathon? I can't I'm, That's in April. It's in April. So the Ooh, Yeah, so the training sucks. It's in winter. Oh yeah. Oof. <laughs> okay. Well, I and and I just know that right now. I mean, we and we're in Missouri, so today for example, it's 70 degrees and 2 days ago it was 37 degrees, so Yeah. No, so uh let's get back to our uh, Getting back on task here, but we had, I still like talking about running in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some questions you'd say as you've been through this journey that you've uh, that you get from people that you know, like they're trying to be funny with you, like that you don't like that you don't like, or maybe you're just like, ah, whatever, you know, you know, like how many fingers am I holding up? You know, yeah, like that. Do you ever get any kind of stuff like that. Most folks don't do that. I, I think I'm, I'm. Uh... 
That's a good question. I, it's hard to explain to people what we can see and what we can't see. So if I just say, oh, I have tunnel vision, it's like looking through a straw. Well, that's not, that's not accurate. I, so no, what I right, tell people right. is, is, you know, the only vision I can trust is the vision that's basically through a straw. And, and what I try to explain to people, I said, you know, how many times you've been sitting in a room and you think that there's a person over to your right, like right at the edge of your vision, and you turn and look at it and it's a coat rack. I said, imagine yeah. that, but just thought, like yes. way more of your vision is like that. Like, like your brain is too smart to accept that it's not receiving any information. So your brain fills in what yep, it what knows it thinks is it there. Sees. Or yeah, what it yeah. Thinks there's something. There. Yeah, there's something there. And and, oh, yeah. and yeah, mm -hmm. and that's that's so is the hardest thing. But you know, I I see people on like Facebook, like people always, you know, people say to them like. Oh, you're lying. You can't see. Nobody's ever said that to me. I don't think anyone would have the the the, uh, the the gall to say that to me or whatever. I just think it's it's you know people can be confused. Like my buddy uh, that I was on the phone with last night about the hiking. The first time we went hiking together was two years ago, and, and he's an eye doctor, and he's not been around anyone uh, who's visually impaired like I am. So he was like, "Man, I I don't know what I expected." But he's like, "I didn't expect that." He's like. You, you didn't slow down. And I walked with these, I like basically walking sticks, which I kind of use as canes. So, you know, each one of them kind of goes where your foot's going to go. So you always know what you're, so like, there's just, you know, he's like, man, there's just no stopping you. Nothing really affected you. He's like, I don't know what I expected, but that wasn't it. I think for most people with me, it's like, wow, like, how do you do that? Or how do you, how, how are you doing this? And I, you know, we're human. We figure it out. Like there's, there, there's nothing that that will stop us if we don't let it and and i i think that's really the thing that i try and press upon especially my children and and anyone is that nothing should stop you from from achieving your goals and and there are no excuses we we've got to we've got to find a way and i just i've always just found a way you know you, you figure it out you know well it's like i said before to people on this podcast how i say everything that we do to like the average person it's amazing so like if you go hey i mowed the lawn today now normally to anybody else that's just a normal you know thing but if you say <laughs> it to somebody and they know your vision they're, oh my god you mow a lawn like that's amazing like like yeah i can figure it out like yeah i i do all the tricks with the lawn man I, and it, and then i still have to go in and grab someone like hey where'd i miss like i know i missed yeah something, oh yeah so just right tell me, are you are just tell me so what I'll do is I look farther back because, you know, your vision's better from a distance. So I walk further right. back away from where I was mowing and then you're like, oh, I missed that spot there. And, like you could look at it many times as you want. And I, <laughs> I always explain it to take a box of Cheerios, spill them on the counter, have me clean them all up. I'm going to walk away and I guarantee you there should be like 20 Cheerios that I didn't see. Well, that's I can great. Look back, I can go look yeah. back again. I can clean up those Cheerios again. The ones that I, that I think I missed. And then go walk back and then turn back around again. And I guarantee I'll see through another three or four that I miss. Like it's, it's, that's the easiest way for me to describe to people how, like how my vision is, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know I can be looking right idea. at it and I don't see it. Like I can, you can, I can be looking at that counter and the counter looks completely clean until I look left and then look back at the counter or something, you know, and it's like, Oh, it's like your vision readjusted. And now you, it's like, Oh, now you're seeing more or, you know, and then, then you clean yeah. that up and then you just, yeah. And you look back again Oh, I'm still not done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's that's the that's the best way I always tell people. I don't remember where I heard it, but but I've used this. I can look across the room and see a tack or a card on the floor and then trip over an elephant on my way to pick it up. Like, it's, just, <laughs> like, yes. it's just Yep. Yep. I can notice the smallest piece of thing in the carpet, but then run right into the door as I'm, as I'm gonna get it. Yes. Oh yeah. Door so yeah, I, yeah. I I think you know, like I, so I have a, I have a, I did a business. I do a, I have a, own a small business through the, the, the business enterprise program, the Randolph Shepard Act program, where you know visually impaired folks have vending routes at, at federal facilities, and, and I think there, people, especially people who aren't around me a lot, like they can look at you and go, wait, how'd you see that? How do you know? And I think it's funny when I would ring people out and they, and they wouldn't tell me all their stuff, and I, and I'd put out my hands like, what's this? And then they're like, they're like, it's like they're caught. Like, come on. Like, you, you know, 
it's they assume that oh well i'll just tell them half of what i have or most of what i have i won't tell them this or that or whatever and then i i see the other stuff and i'm like hey what's this or what's that or you know and then and then sometimes it's like their phone or their purse and i think it's some something else they're trying to not tell me about it's or their keys or something and it's like ah you know so then sometimes i'm the idiot because i'm trying to charge them for their own (laughs) keys or something but uh yeah so so here's a fun question it's the who wins in a fight the wet floor sign or you i want to cuss so bad um (laughs) on your podcast but i'm not going to um I've never <laughs> been a golfer, but but I equate floor signs to to water on a golf course. Like if it's there, you're gonna hit it. If it's not there, <laughs> if it's not there, you're gonna you're you're gonna hit fine. I mean, I because of my store, what I do for a living, I almost have a wet floor sign up uh, all day, every day, and it, it is almost sometimes I feel like my body is veering to the left or to the right just so I can kick it. Just. And, uh, <laughs> because it, because it makes no sense. You're magnetized. Uh, it's unreal. And, and I boot those things too. Like I, I will, I guess I must walk with authority or walk with uh, some level of, um, you know, momentum. Cause man, they never just fall over. They, they have to go six, six to eight feet. And, <laughs> <laughs> do you put your hands in the air like it's good <laughs> that's what you should do <laughs> seriously i used to be a field uh, kicker maybe you were thinking the wrong sport maybe you don't want to be a nascar rider maybe we should be doing like you know, some uh, nfl kicker maybe or something you know like, i hey, i that's funny you bring that up i've had a constant dream like man i could have been a great kicker i played soccer in high school and, and i remember the, the 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 football coach coming over the soccer team asking for kickers i was like man why did you know, my 42-year-old brain says, I should have gone, I should go back to middle school and just focus on kicking and being the best kicker I could be yep, that's in, all in high school. Yeah. And <laughs> getting getting the college scholarship and then getting and then going and being a kicker in the NFL, which, you know, again is one percent of the one percent, right? But I mean, the kicker is literally the greatest job in the NFL. And even if you make the league minimum, which is what, half a million dollars a year. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. Your job is to kick the ball, and you know, I mean, like, and you're riding the bench most of the time. You're just going to you know, you're just going to chill there until they're like, "Oh, we need you," and you, you do little warm ups, and then you you go you go out there, you kick your ball, and you go back out. <laughs> it, yeah, unless you're Sebastian Janikowski, I, I'm I think I butchered his name, Sebastian, but you know, and you're trying to tackle folks or whatever after kickoffs, like you know, like literally, it's just like, man, I. I didn't think that right, you know. I always thought I should have been the quarterback or the wide receiver. No, no that's, that's dumb. Money, I should have worked. Up, I should yeah, because and you can kick up. forever. Like there's <laughs> kickers in their forties, man. You could be in the NFL and be in your forties, no problem, kicking a and ball. They get, like, you know. they get fired and then they get hired by another team because everybody yeah. needs kickers. Like it's yeah. just if you're yeah. mediocre, you could be a mediocre kicker, like you said. So make that yeah, make that half million. Be a mediocre kicker, not even a starting kicker. You could be just like some guy, their backup. You could be a backup, and and you're good. <laughs> and think about it. We we could have hid the RP for years. You could kick oh, totally. your whole career and retire. I could have kicked my whole career and retired, and never never won. I no still want to do it. I, I, I wanted it before because uh, the XFL is coming back. And I was like, you know what? I bet you the XFL is going to hold open tryouts, and you know how good of a publicity would it be to have a visually impaired athlete on one of their teams? They they'd want me just for the PR. Yeah. Even if even no, if I wasn't that good, good. and I'm I'm like you, I played seven years of soccer. My leg is still just as strong as it was when I was, you know, I got a, I do martial arts, so I got that nice up and down. Wow, mm. you know, I can yeah, I can launch a I can launch a football. So um yeah, like, I was like, you know what, you know, I, I would it'd be great just imagine walking. Imagine it'd even be funnier if you go up, like when you go to set up to kick. If you bring your cane uh-huh. out, like you get out, you walk out there uh, with your cane, and they're like, yeah. who's this guy? Like, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> then you go boop boop, you wow. put your cane down, and then you just go kick it, and you and they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, okay, he, I guess he can do it. And you're like, how's this guy gonna see where he's kicking? You know, like, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. And you think this no, all that's... really all just muscle memory? So all you have to know is like. Guys, make sure as long as I know, okay, as long as you know that the field goal is, you know, where's the field goal? Straight ahead? Okay. And then you just yeah. got to count for wind. You're like, okay. Well, Imagine your holder standing out there holding your shoulders and kind of turning you to Yeah, yeah. Getting your, yeah getting your, what's he doing? Ah. Oh, oh, he has to get him lined up. <laughs> this, is their, uh, this is their pre-kick. Right. Uh, yeah, this is the ritual. Yeah, yeah. Right ritual. here. Ritual. Yeah. 
Like, <laughs> oh, oh, here comes the visually impaired kicker uh, back out on the field. I like, would be like, okay. This is this but is that, that would, that, you... that, I would I would love to see that though because that's what we need. I think that's what we need. Like that would change people's perspective of what people are capable of, visually impaired are capable of. Because they the automatically assume you're visually impaired, you can't do this, you can't do that. So if you see somebody, it's like when you see somebody who's like you know paralyzed, when you see people do like that stuff, and you're like, people don't doubt them because they've seen it. So now you need, right. we, we don't have any, we don't have any famous visually impaired people. Like we don't have anybody who's really like, oh, hey, look at this guy I did this or, you know, just, you know, crazy things. I mean, I've seen people, yes, do it, who are visually impaired, do certain things, but we don't have any NFL players. Right. You know, and you said, like I said, kicking is something that we could do with central vision and stuff. We, we, even with just like, even like say pinhole vision, you yeah. could easily, actually, I believe someone blind could probably kick a field goal. Yeah, because all all you would really need yeah. to all they need to know is how powerful they have to hit. The, they, it's all like using all their senses, and then you yeah, as long as they're lined up and they know that hey, where is that? Where's the field? Where's the posts? Oh, okay, the posts are fifty yards this many yards away. You're straight. They're straight ahead of you. And it's think like, about okay. Think about how angry any NFL kicker who listens to your podcast is going to get when they hear this stuff. Yeah, they're going to be like. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's a lot harder than that. Like, no, well, I, I'm gonna do it. Like, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll be out there. I would imagine the only hard part about being blind and doing it would be kicking the actual ball. Like, oh yeah. the, like you know, like you'd have to you're nail gonna have your a, steps. You're gonna have you'd a have fail to... rate. Like, you're gonna have a fail rate. Like, I don't know what the fail rate is, but you're gonna miss right. at least once. And it's you, figure, you know, know, it's it, like you step two times back and then you step two times across, and that's how they line themselves <laughs> up. So I, I, yeah. I practiced all that. I get that. So, and, and our, but our, but you know, think about that. We have a strong suit though. We're used to doing things routines. Like we need things to be kind of routine. You know? Right. So I think we have a benefit and we have, we have the benefit of using all our senses. A regular person doesn't. So we're, we're going to be, able, I think if anything, we're going to know how much power we're putting into that ball versus the average kicker is not, doesn't really embrace that. Like we're, we're going to be able to embrace that because we need to feel that. You know, we need to rely more on that feeling of the you know, the ball hitting our foot than they do to know that, okay, I kicked that ball far enough. You know, like, I think there's benefits. There's things that we're, you know, we're kind yeah. of like, in a way, when people say, oh, you have superhuman hearing, you have this, in a way, yeah. In a way, we, 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 when you lose that sense, you become kind of a little bit of a, you know, superhuman only because you've never had to do this. You've never had to rely that much on your sense of smell. You never had to rely on, you know, your, you know, your, you know, this, the feeling of something, the touch, you know, and now we have to. So now we've strengthened those senses to a higher level than that person, than that, you know, the everyday person. For sure. And that's, that's actually my answer to your first question of what people ask me. Do you have superhuman hearing? And my answer is always yes. Yes, yeah, I do. It's, it's it is. I mean, I can hear things, but I always tell people, and then people argue with me. Sometimes when I don't hear something, my wife will be like, "I thought you said you had super hearing," and I'm like, "I." The best analogy for me is to say I'm like Superman. Superman doesn't hear one person. Superman he hears, hears them all. every single person in the world screaming for help, and he has to somehow you know, focus on the one person that needs it the most. And he has to kind of really dial in on that conversation and be like, oh, okay, there they are. Like, so that's what it's like when you hear everything. It means I hear people chewing, you know, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> My wife next to me chewing, I can hear of your little, you know, breath she takes. I can hear, you know, like, so things, and if it's a day where you're like, you're just, you know, on edge, yeah. it's like those things upset you because you're like, oh my God, can you close your mouth or can you, Chew less, and it's like they're not doing anything wrong. They're chewing the same way they normally probably do. It's just that, that you know that day the hearing is just on point, and you're like, I'm hearing every little thing, you know. Or, I or, you feel know. the exact same way, and I have so many people <laughs> that I'm not going to mention right now that are so close <laughs> to me that I feel chew so loudly. <sighs> And I don't know what it is. Like you said, there's certain days where it's literally like oh, someone yeah. might as well just be drilling into your brain. Please <laughs> stop chewing. Yeah. Like like said, even just the breathing, even just the breathing. Sometimes, you know, some people just happen to be just being like, <sighs> like, it's just like, I don't know, for some reason, it's just like, maybe this, yeah, I guess it's that day. And you're like, oh my God, do, what, what are you doing that that's a, a, that exhausting? You know, like that you have to be huffing and puffing like that. 
But it, it could be normal. It could really be a normal level right. breathing. But for some reason, in my head, it sounds like, oh, yeah, you're like, what are you doing? No, yeah, you don't. People don't understand that. That's one thing. Like that's, that's something you can't describe. The only thing I like I said, Superman's my only analogy for that. It's like I don't hear, I hear everything. <laughs> you know, I'm hearing the conversation. It's like smells. Same thing. I don't just smell like, you know, one thing or this thing or, I, I smell all the smells that are around and stuff. I mean, I look at my wife. Go, do you smell that? And she might be like, I don't smell anything. I'm like, I'm like, oh, must be me. Yeah. I so I. Uh... My, my second career was as a property manager, but it was in student housing, and I could smell um, illegal smoking substances better <laughs> oh, yeah. than oh, yeah. anyone else. And I, I always felt like some <laughs> level of narc because I'm like, okay, that, that apartment, I mean, without even going to the door, really, like, yep, it's happening in there. See, it's happening here's in the there. other dog. Here's <laughs> the, here's, we, can, we can replace dogs. We can replace the crime dogs. That's, that's the next job for us. <laughs> we could just become like you know the, the drug dog, the drug guys. Oh like gosh, I can't, that's... you know. All right, get in there, Chad. What do yeah. you smell? Uh-huh. There's drugs. Yeah. There's drugs over here somewhere. Yep, yeah. and this box over here. I think there's drugs. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. you see, now we gotta learn how to smell like what bombs smell like, so we can smell. Bombs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 funny. Then you can't communicate. Just... Dogs can't communicate. We can literally just be like, hey, there's a bomb over here. <laughs> see we're I got just, funny... all these jobs people are just missing out on that we can do yeah yeah you know, use our strengths you know <laughs> you know that's i think that's one of the great things about your podcast and, and just like the rp community and kind of getting and getting involved in this is is learning because i was never exposed to it that there's so many people out there like me that are experiencing similar things, maybe not the exact same thing, but similar. Oh yeah. It's, right. It, right. It's amazing. And, and I think that's why I probably dove, dove into it so much. And I think one of the reasons I'm so happy now is I kind of surround myself with people who are, are just very similar to me and not that I've oh, yeah. you know excluded anyone else, but it's like, wow, you experience the same feeling I have when someone close to you is chewing so loudly that you literally yeah, have to laugh. Because like you're fine, like it's like yeah, it's like a, it's, it's cool to because you can't share that with anybody else. No. Not understand that, so it's kind of cool. To be like, oh my god, yes, that's this guy. Or you know, I've been pissed at the same thing you've been pissed off at. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten angry at the same thing you got angry at. Or, or yeah. the same thing that made you laugh has made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, but nobody else would get it. Nobody would get any of that stuff so yeah no trust me it's always nice like that's why sometimes it's funny when i'm on here i try it, the hardest task i have about running this podcast is not to talk about myself sometimes and i explain to people i try, it's, it, i'm not doing it intentionally because i'm treating every single conversation as if you you don't know me i don't know you right so i'm just excited to be like oh my god you did this like i did this too when I, you know i grew up i did this and like you know and I try to have people be like, hey, you know, listen to my first podcast about my journey. This way you get kind of an idea, you know, right. you know, my story already. So I don't have to like, I don't, I'm not going to go in and start, because it's really, this is supposed to be about you. But I'm treating this as like you and I were at some bar or something or whatever, and we just happen to meet. Well, you know? and it, it, oh, you have RP? Oh, I got RP too. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, you and I will enjoy this conversation maybe more than others, but at the same time, it, it, it flows, it's much better than a straight interview we're not running for political party uh no. so you know i mean i don't, I don't, I don't have yeah. i mean i like i said I, I do have questions i ask right but as my friend my friend who does podcasts i learned from him and he just said that's your framework you know that's not like you don't have to go question one two three you know you don't yeah you let the conversation flow and then if yeah at some point you know you're like oh this question fits perfectly here yeah you pop it in there that's but awesome i don't want to be like i don't want to be like Okay, question three. <laughs> you know, you know, what is this like? You know, but yeah, sometimes I will say, like for yeah. instance, like right now is another. We have two classic questions, and I always like if there's mm-hmm. something like to me, I think if they're like classic questions, I always have to be like, yeah, this is a big one. You know, yeah. like in your okay, so if you can get your vision back, what's the first thing that you're doing? Man, I I knew you were gonna ask me this, and and I <laughs> you're ready, struggling you're... with with <laughs> with what the answer would be. I. I uh, I got to scuba dive a lot in, in, as a teenager with my family. That was one of the things that my parents did, my sister and I, that w- was amazing. Uh, I have not done that in, in many years, A, because I feel like it will be, honestly, at this point, like a um, 
uh, a sensory deprivation chamber um, for me because I'm not going to see anything. And you're going to, yeah. So I, I thought about that, maybe, maybe doing some scuba diving or something, but I thought, man, I could, I could scuba dive tomorrow. Like that, that, that doesn't stop me right now. Like what is something that I can't do now that um, I would want, would want to do. Um, so when I was uh, 22, 23, 20, no, no, I was after I was diagnosed with RP. So, uh, I was working for this carpenter. Uh, he made jewelry store, uh, showcases like at the mall and stuff, but he also did cabinets and he had a buddy that lived in Alaska, like North of Anchorage. And he paid me, he paid me to drive all this cabinetry to Alaska from DeSoto, Kansas, tiny little town, Kansas, to Anchorage, Alaska, or Wasilia, Alaska. Six days by myself, this big old truck, uh, just cruising through um, Canada, you know, stopping. I like This is before really maybe at the same time as MapQuest, but I bought like a map oh, book. Oh, God. I, I bought a map book, basically, and I kind of said, this is how many hours each day I'm going to drive. This is where it makes sense. This is a town I'm going to stop in. And then I'm going to stop in this town. So I kind of, I mapped, I didn't just jump in the truck and go. I had a plan, but it wasn't like I had, you know, it wasn't like GPS was to turn left here. Uh, so you, you have to pay attention, right? That's what we all miss about, or what I, what, when we all got GPS, we stopped paying attention to what was around us. We just listened to the phone, but it was, it was fun. It was by myself. I, I drove and then I stopped I, and then I, I would always go to a local bar, have a local beer, talk to the bartender, talk to a pretty girl, whatever, uh, you know, and, and every night, different, different uh, province, I guess, in, in, in Canada and, and uh, territory. And, and man, it was it was amazing. I saw some of the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen in my life. And I it was it was great. I mean. You know, there, there was one scary moment, you know, you're on this highway, you're driving all day, every day. So even in a big truck, you, you're doing 70, 80 mile an hour. Well, there is one part of the Alaska highway and unbeknownst to me where it turns to rock, it literally goes from pavement to rock. And when you're driving a loaded down one ton truck, 80 mile an hour down pavement, all of a sudden you hit rock road, it gets, it, it got a little hairy for a half a second or so. And, and it kind of woke me up pretty quick, but that whole experience of driving up there and then I spent a week helping him, uh, you know, unload the stuff and do some of the install work. And, and it was, it was in late May, early June. So the sun barely set and it was light all the time. I remember I got to, I got to like basically wakeboard at like 3 AM and, uh, it was, it was a great trip. So I think, uh, my super long answer to your question, would be, <laughs> I think I would take a trip like that again. I would jump in a car with just family this time, boom. someone else, and just drive to Alaska, and you just, or you know, go to the International Falls, or go to Niagara Falls, and just, and just, no phone or no no GPS at least, and just go. That's what I think I would do. That's a good answer. So here's the final question: It is, in your dreams, are you visually impaired or fully sighted? Fully sighted, never. Never have I been visually impaired in a dream. I've never, um, it, it, it's a strange thing. And, and my dreams are always grandiose. I'm always, you know, Tom Cruise and Top Gun or something yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's always, I, I'm always <laughs> saving the day or something like that. But it's never, it's never having to overcome a disability. Um, it, it's, that's strange to think of it that way. But yeah, I don't, I mean, because yeah, you think sooner or later, because mine are getting worse. Mine are starting. I'm I'm now beginning to get even more than before. It was like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to be driving. Like it's more a feeling. But I think I had a redream news quite recently that where no, I was like, I like I was seeing more visually, like more central vision, like than I would normally see. So um, it's like I think as things get worse, my dreams are reflecting that. Interesting. I think yeah. situational dreams. I mean, I have situational dreams of something that happened. Maybe I'm replaying that or something mm-hmm. that, that is probably going to happen. Sometimes I think that maybe I'm visually impaired in some of those, but, but you know, when you're, when you're dreaming, dreaming and you're, you know, on top of the world or whatever, you know, Iron Man or whatever, <laughs> um, then, then yeah, you're not, uh, not like you're yeah. you, like you could, you've driven in your dreams and, and never had a feeling where like, you're like, um, I'm not supposed to be in this car. 
No, maybe like near the end, maybe like that moment when you're waking up or something like that, like, but not in the dream. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much today. This has been uh, a lot of fun as usual, but this is even more fun. So that's with someone who, when I have uh, definitely a lot of shared interests. So yeah, <laughs> brings out that. So that's really cool. Um, well, I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And I hope uh, to see you in the Achilles tent because, I mean, I'm retired for now from marathoning <laughs> until I said New York will be my first one back. Like that, when, when, when we can actually do a legitimate, you know, not virtual race, that will be my first marathon back. So hopefully uh, I'll actually uh, get to meet you in person. Man, that'd be great. I'd, I'd, I would love to do that. We'll, uh, we'll keep in touch for sure. So. Definitely. Awesome. But good luck with everything. Thank you, sir. You too. Well, have a good day. All right, you too, boss. Yeah, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. See you next week for another episode of Living Free with RP. Get up off the wall. I've never